podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to one of the 10 best English-language Fiorentina podcasts on the internet. Welcome to Viola Station. Hello, Viola Nation. World Cup edition. Lots of amazing football taking place in less than amazing places under less than amazing circumstances. With three games left to go, we will soon turn our attention back to Fiorentina in the upcoming Mercado. But before we do, Tito... Why don't we try to make a couple predictions here? Some pretty interesting games as we uh, go into the semifinals. Argentina versus Croatia, then France versus Morocco. What are your thoughts? Oof. Uh, my thoughts are about the same as yours and that this seems like a bad tournament for so many reasons, but also a very good one for the, uh, for the soccer we've seen actually played. Uh, amazing 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 games uh really good games recently, yeah. recently seen a lot of games going into some penalty kicks a lot of really good moments but yeah i'm, I'm with you go ahead oh uh tell you what i think that croatia argentina is a really interesting game to me so those are both they're teams that are very similar in a lot of ways they play very slowly a lot of the time and they play right through the middle because they don't have any pace out wide so i think that's going to be just an incredibly difficult, like grinded out result. And I am at this point never betting against Croatia in those kinds of games because they're just going to win them on penalties. So I'm going to say Croatia go back in the other one. I know that France is the big time favorite, uh, but I am going to bet on Morocco and the uh, overwhelming powers of anti-colonial feeling to uh, see them through because they just look like they are a nightmare to play against. Uh, who you got going through these next ones? So we were we were talking just before the podcast around Cristiano Ronaldo. Never been a Ronaldo fan. Part of that is because I, I have liked Messi. I, I do like the way that he's played over the years. Not necessarily a fan of what he did after the game with Netherlands. That type of stuff never really should happen. Um, I would like to see Argentina go through. Producer Mike is right. Probably are missing Nico uh, Gonzalez a little bit on those wings, talking about not having some of that pace. Um, you, you know, Croatia is just a tough team. I saw after the game they were talking about just that that fighting mentality that that country has, you know, the way that they grow up. Uh, it's going to be a really tough game. I, I, I do think that the way that, that the fates have already played uh, their role in, in the tournament so far, I think Messi goes through and sets himself up for a moment of, of theatrics, of heroics in, in the finals. Um, moving forward, I, I would have to guess that Morocco has to be like the world's darling here at this point, right? Oh, for sure, yeah. For sure. So, I think I'm buying into is open for him. I'm buying into it. And given some Fiorentino dap here, uh, Sofiane Amrabat, I, I do want to see Morocco go through and, and set up a Morocco-Argentina final there. Uh, it, then, it, then it turns a little bit tough for me. I, I, I do think I want to see Messi get his World Cup just to complete a career. 
let him then move over to Miami and, and do whatever he's going to do. But at the same time, is there a better story right now than Morocco? I don't know. So that that's the toss up. I, I put it, put it to me and I'll have to go Argentina. Oh, that that's totally fair. I think I'm hoping for Morocco just because I would love to see a, uh, an African nation win the world cup for the first time. And also I would love for Argentina and Morocco to both win and take the European teams out of the final. Cause I, I don't know the last time there was a World Cup final with no European teams in it. I mean, I, I think you would probably have to go back to the to the fifties for that, and I think that would just be such a a wonderful thing for the world game. I'll, obviously, I've got a little bit of uh, anti-European bias as someone who lives in America, and I think it would be really, really nice to break that streak of a uh, yeah of European teams winning it. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think it would be a nice little just change of pace uh, opportunity for a lot of different players to get some of the spotlight uh, in some of the world's biggest games of the year of, of the four years. Um, but again, man, Morocco, if, if they can win against France, they have beaten a lot of really, really good teams. So you can't even say that they've just kind of slid through. They've, they've played some really good teams. They've beaten them. I, I, I do give them a really good chance. I mean, is anybody playing better than them as a team right now? I can see them winning it all. At this, I mean, when there's four teams left, everyone's got a chance. And that's really, that's really all you can ask for. Uh, but you know what, Mike? I am going to ask you for something else. Mm-hmm. And that is, I'm going to ask for you to tell me, what are you drinking today? It is straight water. I have a uh, four and a half hour drive out to Pittsburgh. Uh, have to Oof. head out there for a uh, Christmas party with a couple of uh, the members of my team who live out in the Pittsburgh office. Uh, so that'll be tomorrow night. Uh, I'm heading out tonight, getting into a hotel room. And, and then I have a couple of days out in Pittsburgh before I head back, uh, back East to the Philadelphia area. So not as, uh, as exciting as I hope yours is. I know it's a little bit early out in the West coast, but uh, what are you doing? Oh, it's water. It's before 10 o'clock. I'm, I'm not that much of a sicko, man. All right. It's, uh, All right. it's just water. No, I'm, I can't, I can't do a Monday night holiday party and I definitely can't uh, be drinking anything real exciting before 10. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and turn this extremely disappointing segment uh, over to the birthdays here. I think it's Alice Parisi turning 32. Uh, And I mean, what can you say about Alice Parisi? She's been in Florence since 2016, aside from a year in with, uh, with Sassuolo last year, she's won the Scudetto. She's won uh, two Coppa Italia. She's won the Supercoppa. Uh, she's got 46 caps for Italy. Uh, she scored the winning PK for them in the U19 Euro final against Norway. I mean, just her her positional versatility. She came in uh, being more of a number 10, like a really attacking player, and really adapted her game in Florence under a friend of the show, Antonio Cincotta, to become more of a complete midfielder with a lot more responsibilities uh in the defensive phase just a just a wonderful player and one who has aged so gracefully too i think uh at 32 she looks like she is still at the at the peak of her powers go back a couple years ago at this point when we were talking about uh the women and and being at the top of their game yeah that triumvirate and and we wrote a bunch of articles uh we did a couple interviews uh you had uh, Guani, 
Mauro and Parisi. So those were the the three top players that were there for quite a few years. You know, the thing I, I think about Parisi is she was the only one that left from that Chincota era and then came back to Fiorentina. You know, there's a lot of players who were very salty. There were a lot of bridges, uh, bridges burnt on both sides, uh, both from a player standpoint and then from a club standpoint that just have not allowed players to come back into Florence. You know, Paris is a little bit different and, and she seems to be somebody who's um, a, a very, very good professional who does not get emotional at times. And we all know it's, it's very tough to be a professional footballer, invest that amount of time, put all that effort into it and, and not get emotional at times as, as far as the relationships that are invested. You mentioned Shinkota. He's been on our podcast before and he talked through a lot of the um, the emotions that go into the sport, but also into women's soccer. Um, just a, a quick note on her 32nd birthday. So now it's been three years, but a quick side note, Viola Nation actually gave Parisi a birthday card and gift three years ago for her birthday when, when I was over in uh, – uh, in in Florence and 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 uh, was able to watch a uh, practice. Um, I bet you if you look up Tatiana Bonetti, her birthday was just a little bit earlier because we gave her a birthday card and present. Same thing as we did uh, uh, Parisi. So those are the only two players that feel uh, Viola Nation has has been able to give uh, a birthday card and present to, but uh, they were appreciative nonetheless. Man, I completely. What, what? What? What was the gift again? Uh, please tell me it was a uh, a bottle of the McMike's finest. Uh, it, it was. I I believe that it was actually just a, a box of nice chocolates. So okay, that's fine. Just so off brand for you. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, uh, chocolates. We want chocolates in a nice car. No. Nah, safe it's safe it's safe i will i will say too i think that uh on the subject of fiorentina femminile too uh and and things that have changed in the past few years obviously we don't have uh quite the same level of access these days as we did back then for various reasons uh <laughs> no no and and uh well let's just say that we could have taken in a practice but uh plans changed when i was over yeah, there recently i would i would say that plans changed in a big way um <laughs> i i do think though that one of the other things that is not necessarily a fiorentina issue uh with with getting access to them is uh we can't stream the games anymore no. it's impossible yeah. to watch the matches and that's made it so much harder to cover them these this season i mean it's great in terms of uh domestic exposure that they are being broadcast on tv there a lot of the time and on the uh like on online in italy but if you are not in the country you're just out of luck there's no way to watch and so i think that's really why our our coverage of the of the of the women's side has fallen off so much we would love to be covering them more we just can't yeah, and just to provide some perspective there, to give balance, I mean, that has nothing to do with Fiorentina. That's not a decision that they've made. In order to have professional athletes as women over in Italy, which this year they finally transitioned to a professional status, which means so much more than us covering Viola uh, on Viola Nation, 
is uh, they have to generate money. Uh, so in order to generate that money, they were able to go out and uh, uh, get a pretty nice contract, which is going to support the um, um, or the uh, Feminile um, Serie A over in, in, in Italy for many years to come. And, and, you know, at some point, you know, you'll probably, well, and, and I don't even know if I can say this with confidence, at some point you'd hope that there will be options where people could buy seasons. Um, but just as of right now, it, it's not possible. So. Yeah, no, I, I'm no, it's definitely, sorry. That was, I came off as criticizing the club and the league there and I'm, I'm not, it's great that they are fully professional and have this, uh, this new contract. I'm just, it's just really frustrating for me personally, because I love watching uh, Feminile these past few years. And it's, it's, very disappointing to not be able to do that yeah hopefully they do get a uh some kind of streaming thing sorted out yeah at some point also because that is how they need to grow the game i mean italy does have one of the like one of the most quickly rising profiles in the in the women's game in europe i mean look at that run they did in the they had in the euros uh, a couple of years ago uh made it to the to the last eight there's a lot of really exciting players, a lot of growing interest in the game in Italy and I think outside of Italy. And it, yeah, hopefully they get that sorted out because I think they're really capping their their growth potential uh, if they don't. But yeah, we'll uh, tell you what, let's go ahead and move on from that. And uh, I think if we're talking Fiorentina right now, there's really only one man we can talk about, right? And that's Sofia Namrabat. Uh Tell you what, let's start off with the uh, with a little one, and then we can ease into it. Uh, Mike, has he been the best player at the World Cup this year? Uh, impact wise, it, you know, if you're if you're just watching it as a casual fan, you would have no idea how good he is. Like he's not a top name in the World Cup. He's not highlighted from the goals that he's scoring. He's not somebody who's speaking up, speaking out. He just lays back there and has performed phenomenally game in game out consistency wise he's been absolutely amazing and you know can i say with with absolute confidence no but would i put him on the the top uh, 11 team no doubt about it best player at his position hands down in my opinion his team is in the semifinals because of him so he's definitely one of the best players i mean i'd i'd love to see him win the, uh, yeah, I'd, lo I'd love to see him win player of the tournament. I, I, I'm with you. I think he genuinely deserves it. Obviously, it always goes to a goal scorer, which yeah. uh, Amrabat has never scored for Morocco. So that's not going to be him, I don't think. Uh, but he's, yeah, he's just been so, so good. Just, I, I think, I think he's been as dominant as any player I've ever seen in a major tournament without mm -hmm. the ball. Uh, just just his defensive work rate and then his uh, his passing when he gets the ball, which has been really good. I'm so impressed with him. Uh, do, do you well, see and, him? And just real quick, oh, I, right. I, just, to, just to provide some some thoughts on that there, as I was reading through some of the ratings after the Morocco game recently, I saw a lot of places have him at a 7.5, which is just unheard of inside of a World Cup game. Uh, and, and there wasn't just one, there wasn't just two, there was a lot of places having him at a seven, 7.5. That that's phenomenal just to talk to what he's been able to do with that club. It is. I mean, you know, the keep still probably has him at like a 3.5, but uh, everyone else I think has just been so impressed with him. 
Yeah. And with good reason. And I I think my question for you really is, uh, have you seen a difference in how he's been playing uh, with Morocco compared to how he's been playing for Fiorentina this year, where he's also been, again, we've talked about this. I think he's been my player of the season Mm -hmm. for Fiorentina Mm -hmm. too. I I wouldn't say that there's a difference in, in, in the sense that I don't think he's playing better for Morocco than he is for Fiorentina. I think he is easily our best player this year. And I would also put him on the starting 11 for Serie A. So based off of those two things, I would, I would say he's, he's the same. The difference though, is the quality of players and the comfortability I think that he has playing with the team. Uh, I I do think that there's a little bit more comfortability um, with Morocco based off of, you know, some, some decent talent that they have and, you know, probably not talent that was rated highly coming in, um, but a lot of talent that needs to see a a pretty high rating coming out of it. You know, they're going to jump. No, I, I think that's fair. I, I I think I think you've touched on a couple of things there that I would I would like to come back to. But uh I think to me what's really stood out as the big difference is that he just looks so much more expressive playing with Morocco. And I mean we've we've seen this before. Uh Vieri Capretti uh did that interview with him a couple of years ago where uh Amrabat said Morocco is special. And I think you're really seeing that that passion that he has playing for his country that uh, and, and this is not a criticism of him at all at Fiorentina, where he's been nothing but incredibly professional, mm-hmm. I think, especially through, through some pretty difficult stretches. Yeah. But, I mean, he's he's been, like, celebrating tackles like he scored goals. He had that, uh, that goal line block against Spain that he got up and, like, double fist pump, let out a roar. And, like, I, I've never seen him do anything like that for Fiorentina. I think he just feels feels this so much more passionately for Morocco. And I mean, good on him. I think that's awesome for him. I love that. Uh, it is, he's clearly having a lot of fun with it too. Like uh, if you look at his Instagram, he's sharing all of these like memes of himself, uh, like putting Spain's whole midfield in a chokehold and uh, like fan illustrations of him, like holding a sword and shield. Like he's clearly having a blast and that mm-hmm. he, it's really good. I, I enjoy that so much. I hope that he can bring some of that, uh, some of that back to Fiorentina. But for how long? Uh, well, I, I will say that the, the, the other thing that you touched on there was his, his role within the team. And I think you actually hit something just right there. Uh, I mean, he get Morocco rarely has the ball in this tournament, right? I think they had what, like 27% possession uh in their last game and so i think part of what that means is uh sofian can do what he does so well which is just be an unreal athlete and just Mm -hmm. cover ground and bowl people over and win the ball i mean i think he's won possession more than anyone else at the tournament so far i think he's probably got to be near the top in pressures obviously these statistics are inherently noisy small sample size etc but they're also true uh so i think that not having to focus as much on uh on just maintaining possession setting the rhythm being that metronome like he does for fiorentina but being able to just go roaring in like a like a diesel truck win the ball 
and just hammer it out to one of those wingers or uh, out to one of the fullbacks who have also been fantastic and are so important to how Morocco attack. I think that that might be the biggest difference to me is that he's not, he's not being asked to like get a hundred touches a game, which he frequently does in a Viola shirt here. He's just win the ball, get it forward, no matter what. And I wonder, I wonder if uh, in some ways, kind of like he was with uh, Hellas Verona when he was the best midfielder in Serie A a few years ago. And I think that's probably going to be very interesting, like you said, for uh, for a lot of the clubs that are watching on right now and are thinking about making a move for him. One, one thing that I will add here, though, is that had the World Cup happened when it should have happened this past summer, based off of last season, I don't know if Amrabat would, would have the same performance. His performance last year at Fiorentina, his confidence level was much lower. The way that that and and give credit to where it's due, Italiano, Barone, Camiso, the way that they've managed his season this year, uh, go back to the Torreya incident. They they put all their eggs in this basket. Um, they deserve a lot of credit for his performance. I, I, my personal opinion is they believe in him and and that has really helped him believe in himself and really helped Morocco perform this year because without him they're not the team that they are they're they're not in the semifinals they didn't get to this point they may never even got into the into the round of 16 so um I, I do believe that that Fiorentina deserves a lot of credit um based off of the decisions that they've made and uh, I, I think that all of those things probably lean lead up to where I think you're going, good, bad, and different. It's going to attract other people interested in the talent that Amrabat really is at this point. Yeah, I think you nailed it with the uh, the club support, and he's spoken about that too, about how he's always felt very supported by by the higher ups. We know that. Uh, the club got it because Rocco Camiso decided he really wanted to see him. So I don't know, maybe Rocco needs to take a more active role and go, uh, go full, uh, full, like 90 Serie A owner where you say, I like this player, let's get him. And you basically try to manage the team, but also, you know, not naming any names here, but, uh, basically try to, uh, to run the show from, uh, from the office. Uh, but yeah, no, I I think that I think you're right. I think that giving him that confidence has been a huge part of it. Uh, tactically too, I think Italiano has changed his his role so that it's closer to what he does for Morocco. And I think they both deserve so much credit for for evolving. Uh, yeah, I I think that Amrabat was this player in like the last four or five games of last season when Torreira was on the bench uh, to avoid paying him that bonus for uh, for a number of appearances or you know whatever the reason was. Uh, Allegedly, allegedly, our our favorite word on this podcast. I feel like uh, <laughs> the Viola Nation legal department has really, really trained us well on this. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, you know, he's he's his contract is not up for a little bit. He's under he's under contract till twenty twenty four, and there's a team option for another year. So he's he's a Fiorentina player player until twenty twenty five. Uh, obviously they are already working on an extension for him. Uh, from what I've heard, it sounds like he's very interested in talking terms. 
uh, probably when he comes back from the World Cup. I don't think he's really going to be sweating that uh, while he's in Qatar a whole lot. But I don't know. Do you, do you think he's going to sign that extension, or do you think do you think someone's going to make an offer that's just too good to refuse for him? Uh, the, the news at this point is is so he may be interested in hearing the terms of Fiorentina, but his agent is definitely interested in hearing some other clubs. You know, there, there's been a lot of news out there that he's already sat down and had some meetings, whether it's in person or virtually. I guess he's probably in Cutter, but um, there, there's no shortage of teams interested, whether it's uh, – uh, in the Premier League, whether it's in La Liga, it doesn't matter. There's a lot of teams that are interested in this man, and, and rightfully, rightfully so. I mean, he's just performed phenomenally and consistently. What what would you want out of a player? I mean, he fits every profile for every club of that midfielder. The thing that surprises me still is this number that's somewhere between 20 and 30. Again, the business side of things, as I'm watching him, he looks every bit to me 30, 35 to 45. You you have to start getting that up. And if he continues for another two games, that net number better start jumping over 50. Has to. And the only question then is, can you blame Fiorentina if somebody tables 50 million for the guy for cashing in on a $30 million uh um uh increase like that that's big that's big it's a lot of plus valenza i don't disagree with you is that is that what the number would have to be to you to sell is about 50 well you know 25 to 30 you sell them at 30 that doesn't look good to your fan club because keep in mind the fan base every single tofosi at this point has at one point or time this season jumped on Fiorentina for not signing Torreya. And why do we know that we didn't sign Torreya? Because of Amrabat. So if you sell him for 30 million and you, again, don't have a player to fit that position, and now we're going back to the market, we all know the hit and miss that it's been. What, what's what's the hit ratio? 25%? Have we hit on 25% of our, our, our signings? Oh, boy. 20? Uh, that would... Man, that might be something we have to tally up and talk about at some point. F- try to figure that out. That could be kind of interesting, actually. So, if you have if you have a capital increase of ten million, but you now you say you have thirty million sitting there, and we know that we didn't spend all of of uh, uh, the Vlahovic money. So, how much are you going to be able to spend out of that thirty million? Maybe twenty. So, twenty million to go out there and buy a replacement for Amrabat after the Tafosi are already angry for not getting Torreya with a 25% hit. That's it. That's where it starts getting crazy. Cause, cause again, Rocco Joe Barone have definitely sold very well, very, very well. They have, they haven't bought very well. No, I, I think you make a perfect point there. I think that, uh, yeah, losing the, the club's best player, for the third straight year and not adequately replacing them. Uh, that's a, that's a bad look. I think for everyone, uh, especially losing your best player for the second year running in January. That's a, that's just really tough to, to come back from, frankly. Uh, I don't think that there's any, I think you're right. There's no one on the roster who can do what, uh, what Sofian Amrabat does. I mean, 
the only other genuine holding midfielder on the team is probably Rolando Mondragora, who I don't think is even a great fit in that role by himself. No. And to I I think I'm not quite as down on as you are. I'm very down it, on him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I'm quite as down on him as you are, but I I don't think that he'd uh I don't think that he can I don't think that he can be the uh, the holding midfielder for do, the rest do you, of the year. Do you see a comparable holding midfielder in Serie A that we could even replace him with? Let's just say we sell him for 50. Who else is out there that you can bring in that's as good? Ooh, man, that's a tough one. Uh like I so think then you start Syria, going then you start going to Syria, like those big guys, right? In Serie A, I think the the guy I would look to more than anyone is probably Tommaso Pobega over at Milan. Uh, he's, you know, he's been out on loan for a while, uh, just bounced back and forth on loan. Uh, I think he was at Torino last year, right? And he's he's made nine appearances this year, but he's mostly a bench player. I mean, he's a young guy. He's what twenty twenty three, I think. Uh, and he's isn't really young anymore. I mean, the young age. Hey, hey, hey. When the USA comes in with a an average age of twenty two, that's not yeah, young. That was wild. Uh, no, I, I think that I think he's still pretty young. Uh, he again, he's been on loan. I think that Milan might be willing to let him go for not too much, although he is under team control. I think until twenty twenty five. So I think within Italy, that's the guy I would look to. Uh, best case scenario. I would love to. Uh, I would love to see Fiorentina if it comes to replacing Amrabat, which I hope it doesn't, because I don't yeah, think I they're going to get a player as good as Amrabat. And I don't think they're going to get fifty for him. Uh, probably not. Uh, I yeah no. Realistically, I think we're looking at thirty ish. Uh, but yeah, uh, perfect world. Tyler Adams. I mean, obviously, <laughs> some of this is the uh, red, white, and blue tinted glasses. Uh, and, and maybe uh, they're also rose-colored glasses, too. Yeah, there's also some rose there. And I, yeah, maybe maybe, maybe those gonna... are the, the, the uh, beer goggle glasses, too? I don't know. Like, how many glasses hey, are you wearing? Um, I'm, I wear a lot of hats. I wear a lot of glasses, man. <laughs> no, I, think, uh, I mean, I think stylistically, they're pretty similar players. Uh, and I think, yeah. I think Tyler Adams would be a perfect plug-and-play replacement. Uh, he's also not going to leave Leeds because Fiorentina can't pay him as much. And I mean, he's only been he's only been at Leeds uh, since this summer. Yeah, yeah. So there's simply no way to get him out of there right now. And, and uh, Aronson's also there with him, so I, I doubt he's going to leave. There's a lot of comfort there for him. Yeah, I I think the other guy I want to flag up who kind of interests me uh, is a Eredivisie guy named uh, Joey Veerman, hmm. uh, who's playing for PSV, but he just moved there uh, this this summer from uh, Heronveen, which is a club I've always had a little bit of a soft spot for. And a very different player. He's more of a more of a passer, a schemer. He's not as much of a ball winner. But I think that he's he could be a really interesting fit back there. Again, real different profile, but definitely, definitely an interesting guy. Probably not probably wouldn't cost that much. But yeah, man, it's a boy. Howdy. Do you, do you have confidence that Fiorentina would make the right decision? No. Okay. Uh, immediate and uh, and vehemently. No, I don't. Do you? No, no, no. Not. I, I think that they would make the right decision on on getting value from him. So let's put it that that way. I don't think we get thirty. I think the number is probably closer to like thirty-seven if we do sell him because we know Barone is very good and 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 very greedy on the sell side. 
But once Barone turns that over and they start going to buy another player, that's where I lose all confidence. So that said, yeah. the, the best case scenario has to be you keep him, you you re-up him, and you make him your flag. I, I would love to see, to be quite honest, him take the armband from Baragi. Uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm fine leaving Biragi as the captain. I think he's I'm a not. good captain. I think he's fine. I know, I know that you don't like him. Uh, <laughs> I go back and but, forth. I go back and forth. No, I, I also think the armband isn't as important as a lot of fans think it is. Uh, I mean, not, we've not seen, to fans, fan, fans, fans. It's important to fans. It is, but it's more important to us than it is to the players themselves. I think, which is fair, which is fair, but also in a time right now where the fans are completely. Again, we've talked about the ratio. Is it 75-25? It's probably it's probably started to switch back a little bit. So maybe it's even now 60-40 against. But, you know, a move where you start bringing somebody like Amrabat back for another few years, give him the armband. I, I think that that's a powerful move. That sends a very powerful message, especially if you uh, follow I, it up with a few investments. Maybe, but if you take the armband away from the guy who's the captain and who's already on the club, on the roster that creates all kinds of like weird interpersonal there, there problems. It is. You just solved the problem. Did, no, you just solved no. It. Selling Cristiano Baraghi is not. Oh no, Mike. No, 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 no. That's wrong. Cristiano Baraghi. And then oh, is there, is there another American you want to go take a look at another American that we want to take a look at? Maybe somebody who had a very good world cup who was running up and down the left side, like a deer. Hmm. Now we may be talking and this American who could replace Christiana Baraghi is actually affordable enough and could drive a lot of those U.S. sponsorship dollars back to the club. Uh-huh. No, I'm I'm going to remain very firm on this one. Selling Baraghi is not the right call. Oh, uh, I don't think we're going to disagree. Here. All. Yeah, I think we're going to disagree. Uh boy howdy i will where i do agree with you though is uh in that yeah i mean if fiorentina sells Amrabad, i mean we've heard liverpool and spurs are in for him uh his agent does have a lot of connections uh to the premier league so that that makes sense uh also uh was it this summer uh, apparently antonio conte tried to get spurs to buy him so i think that you know this club's got the money they could mm -hmm. they could spend 30 mil easy on um, about 35, 40, maybe. And producer Mike said Atletico Madrid. You yeah, put that in the Atletico chat. Atletico Madrid too, yeah. Th that would be a great uh, club for him. That would. That would be, yeah, he would fit right in. I bet Diego Simeone would try to adopt him as a son. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the problem here, though, is like you said, though, yeah, selling for big money. Clubs, Fiorentina's been really good at that. Mm -hmm. They don't spend any of that. So, yeah, you're obviously not going to get a, a player as good. Unless you get really, really lucky and, uh, I don't know, Alessandro Bianco turns out to be world-class, which maybe he does, but that's uh, tough to bank on any young player, just statistically. Yeah, not yeah, yet. Doing that. And and let, let's also just take that a step further as far as big money. So uh, complicating the matters, we I think we could read between the lines coming into the World Cup. There was a plan to get some big money. And it did not materialize. Nico Gonzalez, those words that were, you know, leaked out from Joe Barone, 
talking about how he was, you know, good to play in the World Cup, but not good enough to play for Fiorentina. And what does that mean? Um, those were there kind of setting the table for a possible outcome of a sale in January. Unfortunately, the guy was actually injured, gets injured, doesn't play for Argentina. And uh, there, there will very unlikely be a deal that materializes in January for a big move away for him. So now what? Where's the money going to come from? We know that there's – Ferenze Viola did a phenomenal job. We, we've talked about it here ad nauseum, how much money the club has pocketed over the years, most recent years, on uh, the Mercado. And they went through, found a lot of money that's been sitting there. So is that money going to be reinvested in this Mercado? Or will somebody have to be sacrificed in order to, ooh, there's that word again. Well, phrase, let's go back to the De La Valle era, self-finance. Will we have to self-finance in a Mercado? Um. I mean, I think we're beyond that, though, right? I mean, the Fiorentina has turned a massive profit. Massive profit, yeah. Uh, over the past couple of years, and they haven't invested any of that, except into the the Centro Sportivo, which, I mean, I've heard is the most uh, advanced one in Italy. Uh, and, so and, clearly that's worth it, and, and maybe to, in the world. To be quite honest, I have spoken with several people who have been there personally and can vouch for that 100%. It is absolutely gorgeous, and, and I don't doubt it. Any building, any real estate project that Rocco is attached to, I have 100% certainty is going to be gorgeous. Soccer club investments, the track record's not there. Yeah, I mean, ha- being the Serie B team with the uh, the most incredible training facility doesn't really move the needle for me. But, you know, that's just me. I'm sure we can all feel very differently about that, and that's fine. Uh, hell, man. Uh, let's... You want you want to just go ahead and change tracks here a little bit. Uh, let's let's talk let's talk about some friendlies here. Uh, Fiorentina has been playing them, much like uh, the Feminile. I haven't been able to watch any of them because the the streaming options have been. I haven't been able to find any. Yeah, which uh, is weird it. for a friendly. That that now that one is is something that we could talk about and debate. Those friendlies should be the ones that are out there and, and publicized because I don't believe any of them we're put on local channels and, and somebody can nope. hit us up and, and, and let us know that we're wrong. But as far as I was told, they were not uh, televised locally. They should be something that Fiorentina should be able to stream on their social media. Like they have been at the beginning of the season and in years past. Oh yeah. I think especially this, uh, the Triangolare they just played against a Dortmund and rapid Bucharest, which is sort of a hilarious thing. And they want a little trophy out of it. If you've seen it, it looks like a, it looks like a lovely end table from Ikea. It's like red and has uh, white polka dots. I really like it. Regardless, that's the kind of thing you want to you want people to be able to watch. It's, you know, Dortmund is probably the second biggest club in Germany. Rapid Bucharest is one of the biggest clubs in Romania. Fiorentina is uh, an Italian club. Like, why wouldn't you make that available to for people to watch. Uh, I, I was really, I'm with you. I, I think that hurts the club brand so, so much, especially because in the past, they streamed these friendlies. I mean, oh, in the in the summer, they stream all the friendlies on the oh, club site. They do. Like what? 
can't do that during the season? Is there some kind of agreement that the club isn't allowed to strip to to have its own stream of any Fiorentina games between the start and the end of the season? I don't know, but it, it just feels like such a missed opportunity. And also, I would have really liked to have uh, seen how the how the team looked. I know they've given a bunch of chances to younger players. Mm-hmm. Really wanted to see how those guys look uh, playing against professionals, even if it's in pretty low stakes, low like low intensity games. So yeah, I'm I'm super frustrated by that, honestly. Uh, but yeah, man, do do you have any? I mean, I've seen highlights, which woohoo doesn't actually tell you a whole lot most of the time. But if, do you have any takeaways besides? Uh, that Fiorentina needs to stream these friendlies? Stream them, and and I think, honestly, even uh, advertise them a little bit better. Uh, I I think that uh, it was easy to overlook the fact that they even happened. There was some coverage by the media, but again, we've talked about coverage by the media uh, for this club is, is not something where there's a lot of access. So, you know, what do you do as a fan when there is no video, there's no streaming, and there's very little media coverage? It's, uh, you know, did it even happen kind of situation. I I do actually want to come back to one thing here, because I feel like we're burying the lead. I did not see the cup. I did not see that at all. What it looked like. Seriously, it looked like a nice little end table. Yeah, go uh, go on to the Fiorentina Twitter page, and they've got a picture of the of the squad standing in front of the uh, in front of the thing. While you're while you're doing that, I'll uh, I'll just add. I think the from the highlights, what I've seen, the uh, I mean, everyone who watched apparently Jonathan Nukone looked incredible. I did see a clip of him uh, scoring a goal wherein he turned a, a, a defender from the unfortunately named always ready into a pile of jello and like you know obviously bolivian first division Serie A, a little bit different uh but you know this guy's like a youth international not a terrible player and he he was reduced to a pile of writhing limbs on the ground so that's good but uh yeah i think i think my real takeaway was uh seeing adrian mutu holding up a fiorentina shirt a mutu number 10 and talking about uh how much he would love to come back to the club not he, his he's first coaching time. It, he's coaching Rapid Bucharest now. He's got a history of youth development for Romania. Uh, he <laughs> worked with uh, Giannis Hagi, which we all know how that worked out. Uh, I think he might have connections to Luis Montiano too. And, uh, uh, oh man, who's the other one? Uh, Andre David, who's still with the uh, Primavera. I'm just saying, putting Mutu on staff, not only does it make some sense, just in terms of having a coach, a club legend. If you want to just make me the happiest, happiest boy <laughs> on earth, give me more Mutu content always and, and forever. And you just damned Mutu forever. I, for always and forever. Yeah, you just damned him. Um, I, I, I did take a look at the, uh, it, it, it was it was pretty cool. I like that. Had it been a little bit bigger, like the size of an end table, I was going to give them some props here because having a cup that acts as a table to put other trophies and cups on it. I mean, is there a greater idea that nobody's ever thought of before? Uh, uh, Fiorentina has one of those, actually. Can I remind you of the Copa del Sol that they won back? Oh, boy, was that like 2014 in the preseason? Uh, And it was so large, they actually put Giuseppe Rossi in it. 
Like, wow. Like they put him in the trophy. It's just look up Copa del Sol. Uh, it's one of the funniest pictures I've ever seen because the trophy is probably four, four and a half feet tall. It's just so, so over the top. And sometimes when I'm feeling sad, uh, I will I will look this up and just look at that photo and like giggle a little bit. It's so, so good. Uh, it's got all of uh, all of everyone's favorite uh, favorite players from those old Montella teams. Probably could have fit up uh, David Pizarro in there like completely, like he could have vanished inside of it. Uh, but yeah, it's a. I think you have to look up like a Copa del Sol Giuseppe Rossi or Copa del Sol Fiorentina, and it should yeah, come Fiorentina. up. And it's, there it is. Yeah, just a magnificent photograph. While we're talking about goofy team uh, pictures of uh, of very silly trophies. So yeah, oh yeah, there it is. Uh, thank you, producer Mike. Yeah, there it's. Uh, looks like Josip Ilicic and uh, Stefan Savic uh, dropping Giuseppe Rossi into the cup. And and, and you see where that's linked to? So funny. Uh, oh hey, that's us. Oh, look, hey. look at that. Oh hey, isn't that crazy? Isn't that wild and crazy? How yeah, that's a Viola Nation article. Uh, oh man, it's almost like a, almost like we've got a great back catalog of uh, articles you can find hmm. at violanation.com. Uh, for free, violadation.com again, everyone, just uh, just to remind you. Uh, please it click is, on it is, it everything. is Christmas season, so it's a nice yeah. free gift to give. Yeah, yeah please, please, please click on that. That uh, that helps us. Uh, so I think the last thing we've really got to talk about here is the uh, is the transfer market, right? I mean, it's ramping up. We're only uh, I mean, we're less than three weeks away from the window opening. So let's start it out uh, with who's leaving. Since that we were just talking about possible exits, assuming that Amrabat stays, or if he goes, even uh, who else is who else is on the way out? I've got I think four guys who I'm pretty sure are gone. And I want to see if your list lines up with mine. Uh, let's start here. So uh, clearly, unfortunately, because uh, I thought this guy could have had some potential in our midfield, we have to start off with the poll in, in Tchaikovsky, right? I think that's definitely a place we can start off. Uh, that Hey, that's uh, Polish international and uh, recently re-arrived from the World Cup. Yeah. Uh, Shimon Zhukovsky. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, and, and clearly Poland is not, you know, a good team. Um, so a Polish international, I can understand why they don't play at Fiorentina. So. Yeah. Right. I mean, they, they only got out of the group stages. Uh, yeah. and, you know, that's, that's not a thing that, uh, I mean, they're not yeah. armor bot, so yeah, get rid of them. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, and there, there's no way they're getting any money for him, right? I know we've talked about this before, but oh, just we, to... we, we have, we have completely. And, and again, we'll talk about uh, um, another player here. <sighs> Jungovsky, man, what did we do to his market value? Well, we absolutely put it out behind the shed and shot it dead. Um, and uh, as far as uh, Zhirkovsky, uh, I think we've pretty much done the same thing with him doing no service and putting him in because he is a, a very good player. We've completely relied only 
on the World Cup, which is a foolish, foolish um, mentality and approach. Yeah. Maybe, maybe 3 million, 4 million. That that's it. That's it. Yeah. For a guy you should easily be getting like eight or nine for maybe more. Yeah. I think I'm with you there. It's also, man, been a tough, uh, tough few years for, uh, for Polish players in Florence. I mean, Rafał Wolski, uh, uh, Jakub Blazikowski, Bart Drakowski, and now uh, Shimon Drakowski. Just, I don't know what it is. I mean, none of them bad players by any no. stretch. And yeah, it, uh, it's just, I don't know, that makes me a little bit worried. That to me, I don't know, maybe there's some kind of anti-Polish sentiment just running rife through Florence that I'm completely unaware of, and it's just raising its ugly head again. I don't know, it's just like, it it's just weird. a weird trend. <laughs> it uh, is. I'll, yeah, Zhukovsky was one of the guys I had on my list for On His Way Out. I think the next one we can talk about is, uh, do you have Pierluigi Gallini on your list? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, sounds like it's pretty much agreed with Atalanta that he's going to, they're going to terminate the loan early, which, I mean, it's a shame. I really wanted Gallini to succeed. He's just such a character. But Did you want him to succeed or did you want him to record his follow-up rap album while in Florence? I mean, that would be a success, yeah, I would it, say. Okay. I just wanted to define what success was, but I'm, I'm glad we did. Yeah, no, for sure. So, yeah, I think Golini's on his way out. Uh, I'm going to – all right. Uh, yeah, who, el- who else do you think? Let's keep, t- let's keep taking turns on this. Uh, so, never been a favorite of mine. Uh, I know that you have a lot more love for him or forgiveness than I do Marco Benassi. Oh, poor Marco. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's got, I mean, he's not even registered for Serie A. You, you've got to get him out. Uh, okay, and and what do we do at this point? Because he's, thank, thankfully, we we signed him up for another 17 years secretly um, <laughs> last season. <laughs> like, what what do we do? Nobody's going to take his wages fully. Uh, we can't sell him. We, we can only loan him perennially. And his performances never dictate that anybody wants to learn him, loan him long term. So... Wow. But he's yeah, a nice I mean, guy. Maybe, he's, I'm sure he is. Seems lovely. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I mean, I think, yeah, maybe the like Monza or Cremonese or something. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's going to be alone. Most likely. Very possibly. Yeah. At this point, he just needs to play. Uh, the fourth guy I've got on my list, and I'd, I'd be curious to, to know how you feel about this one, because I feel like this is the controversial one as much as any of these are controversial, right? Uh, I think that Yusuf Mala might be on his way out. I've been hearing a lot of chatter recently yeah. that he's no, I'd agree. surplus. Yeah, and I mean, it, it shows. He, he hadn't played much for Fiorentina recently. I know that some of that was a quote-unquote injury, but I'm not totally convinced on that because he was training with the team for most of it. Uh, it seems like he's fallen solidly behind... Uh, uh, Mandragora and Duncan in the pecking order. I don't see him as being real useful in a double pivot, and he doesn't have the qualities to be a 10. So I think it makes sense to uh, descend him on loan. I think he could still wind up being a good player. He just, right now, he just doesn't have enough, I don't think, to to contribute uh, to a team like Fiorentina. He's just not good enough on the ball. So, so I will agree that, that Malay needs to go. Uh, Malay needs to go. I disagree that we should constantly be loaning these players out. Um, I think we'll see Zerkovsky go and uh, either be a loan with a agreed purchase at the end of the season, or it'll just be a, a cheap purchase right now. I, I, I 
I am sick of the constant players that that bog up Fiorentina's roster or we need to loan them out year after year because we missed the window to monetize something for. You know, Malay, we can probably still get five, six million euros for that. Why? Ooh. You don't think so? I I do not. I mean, he cut. I think what, we could. Uh, it was what, like a three million euro yeah. pickup. Yep. And he hasn't he hasn't shown anything since moving from Venezia to me that would I, increase his his value. I I think that we could probably get something in that range, and and maybe it's even if it's three, cash out and get three. I I agree with you. I don't think there's any chance for Plus Valenza on him. Too bad. Again, I think that he could grow into a good player. Right now, he's not. He's kind of, and I agree with you. He's kind of blocking some uh, some space, and I think that's a, uh, I think that's part of why I think that Alessandro Bianco might well stick around. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's obviously barely featured. I think he's got two appearances this year. One of them, uh, one of them against uh, Bashaksha here in a essentially meaningless game, and I think the other one was what like a three-minute cameo or something so he's clearly not in the plans but if you move on from male you move on from jakovsky all of a sudden they're all there's spaces in the midfield there that, that, that he could fill there's a job he could do he's i think a much more natural fit in a double pivot yeah uh, I, I think he's still young i don't think that he's ready to be like a full-time contributor but i think that some of those spot minutes he would be just fine in uh also Having an academy-trained player, obviously really important. That's why I also think that uh, Luca Ranieri might end up sticking around this season because otherwise Fiorentina start running real low on uh, academy-trained players, which is a slight concern. I feel bad for the guy, but there it is. Uh, how, how, about, how about another one here? Are, are we going full-on uh, DJ Khaled with another one? Oh, yeah, well, and, and to be honest, there's there's a few more that I think should go, but I'm I'm just going to throw this name out there, Arthur Cabral. Oh boy, yeah, he's just he just doesn't look comfortable, uh, to me up front. He just yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, he's he's one you might try to loan out somewhere where you're going to know that he's going to be the starter for the rest of the year and start every game. Because I think for strikers, especially, so much of that is confidence. Yep. And I think it shows that he just doesn't have that right now. Yeah. He just looks uncomfortable striking the ball a lot of the time. And I I love Cabral. I, I've talked about this so many times. He's one of my favorite players to watch. Just like watching him run is genuinely funny to me. And that makes me want him to succeed. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing him spend, uh, yeah, like the, the remainder of the season somewhere else in italy or maybe uh maybe germany or just somewhere somewhere where he can get unlocked yeah. and, and i, I agree i think sense. getting him minutes getting him some consistency experience confidence we've talked about that word Fiorentina is a hard club florence is a hard city to build confidence in if you're yeah. lacking it so send him away kind of like we did with um uh Kawame. And I think that there's a nice opportunity to bring in a, uh, a veteran um, to come in and, and play those second minutes behind Jovic. And then at that point, it gives 
Jovich the understanding that he is the guy, which I think will help build his confidence in the second half of the season. So I, I think it's going to be helping a lot of things on, on the, on the roster there. You know, if you don't mind, let me actually just throw out a couple other ones that I thought of. Uh, Cause I think that there are a oh, couple yeah, interesting names here. Uh, we've, we have seen uh, Turchis's name uh, thrown out there as far yeah, as alone Bologna. or move yeah. away. What are your thoughts? Stay or go. Uh, I, I think you have to keep him at this point, frankly. Uh, I agree. There's no other left back on the roster unless you count Luca Ranieri, who is, again, clearly not part of Italiano's plans. Uh, Tertic, I don't think he's ready to be a full-time starter by any yep. stretch. I think he still looks really, really rough a lot of the time, but there's potential there. And I think that's a guy who you want as your backup. That's exactly yeah. who you want as a backup, as a what, 22, 23-year-old. 23-year-old, yeah. Yeah, who could, who could grow and who can... He's gaining confidence. Step in. I, yeah. I was impressed with him. I was impressed with him seeing him in person. So I, I agree. How about how about on the other side, Venuti? Uh boy. I mean, I think he has to stay. Just do you go, for with, the, your, uh, do you go with your head or do you go with your heart? Which one are you doing here? I'm I'm actually going with well, I don't maybe like a gallbladder or something. <laughs> uh, I think he I think he has to stay uh, just for the academy trained players requirement. I think that that's part of his value to the club that people forget is that Fiorentina has to register four academy trained players every season. Venuti is one of them. That means that he has value that, that is greater to Fiorentina than he would have to any other club. And I think that is part of why it's really tough to move him on. Uh, that said, he's played with a little more confidence recently. I mean, I think that he just got in his own head there at the start of the season was frankly, quite bad. Uh, and I mean, look at look at his performance more recently. That goal line clearance against Inter was incredible. And he's he can be that kind of player. He can be the kind of guy who is solid back there. Yeah, he'll always have a mistake in him. But I mean, if you've got a reserve fullback, you're not going to have a perfect player. You're going to have to make peace with the fact that this guy is going to make a mistake sometimes. If you're Fiorentina, you... That's just what it is. Like your backups aren't going to be flawless. This isn't Man City where you get to bring in like a world-class player off of the bench, no matter what. And I'm comfortable with that. That's part of what makes Fiorentina to me more intellectually interesting. So I'm fine with Venuti staying uh, for those reasons. I think if there's a chance to bring in an upgrade, sure, you look at it. Uh, what One of the guys I was really interested in actually was a uh, Pasquale Mazzocchi over at uh Salernitana, but you know, he did his cruciate ligament. So now he's a, uh, now he's probably not available. Uh, a couple other names I'll just toss at you. Uh, one of them is divine wrench. Uh, also it, that's uh, a name. Ajax. And that's, I think that might be like 90% of why I want Fiorentina to buy him because the name divine wrench is an all time. Great. Oh, all time. That, that reminds also, me of one of my favorite basketball players of all time, going back to the, oh, what was it? 96, 97 um, Providence Friars, God, Sham God, the point guard there. I don't oh, know if you yeah, remember yeah, those. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was no, I oh, actually favorite name I mean, of all time. He's got the dribble move named after him. Yeah. Like uh -huh. you could still hear people talk about the Sham God. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. yeah, and he, and he still though. talks about it. He's still out on out on uh, out on the scene talking about doing tours. Yeah, no, great, great call on names. We should. Mm -hmm. I think I wrote a thing a few years ago about the 
Fiorentina players with the best names in history. Might yep. have to pull that back out and revisit it. Uh, yeah, I think the, the other name at, uh, at right back who I was a little bit interested in was uh, Hellas Verona's uh, Marco Farioni, who looks like he's pretty much frozen out this year there. And he's, I mean, he's a little bit older. He's 30. And he's he's had a few injuries, but I think he still is a good player. I think he would fit really well for what Italiano wants out of his right backs, particularly. And I think he probably wouldn't cost very much, and he wouldn't need a whole lot of salary. If you can grab him for a couple years and just have him as a backup, a mentor, I mean, he's, he's been the captain there. He's worn the armband, so you know that he's got some leadership qualities. I think that would be a, a pretty solid pickup. But again, only if circumstances really, really work out that way yeah let, let, let me ask uh, another question that since we're talking about the mercado um is it just me or or does it seem like we have let go more budding talent um in the mercado than we've actually purchased and, and let's go back to the vicario rumors and and near hit the uh um, parisi rumors uh and and near purchased the last couple of days of the mercado you know, those are the only players that I've actually seen their their Mercado, their their, their um, um, valuations go up considerably since the summer. Not the players we've purchased, the players that we didn't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, it definitely feels that way to me too. But I also wonder if this is just like a like some kind of emotional response where like, these are the ones that we remember because they didn't happen. And I mean, you know, grabbing Luka Jovic. No, I think they could. I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of chatter about Parisi possibly. Uh, it's not too expensive them. for us now. You, you don't think a lot of other clubs looking at him. A lot of clubs looking at him. I would, I mean, this, that's one of the positions I would love to see Fiorentina reinforce, especially if they do cash in on Terzic. And I think Parisi is the perfect guy for that to yeah. grow for a couple of years behind Biragi. Or maybe uh, overtake him sooner than that. It's possible. It's it possible. Uh, I I think that uh, Fiorentina have a really good relationship with Empoli yeah. in the transfer market, it feels like. So I think that is definitely an advantage. I have read uh, uh, from various outlets that it would be tough to do that. I think Empoli don't really want to sell in the uh, in the winter, especially. But I mean, why not? You know, try to buy him, uh, loan him back for the remainder of the season, keep Terzic, and then next year, if you want to cash in on Terzic, you can. To me, that makes sense. Obviously, that's extremely complicated to actually make happen. Uh, I'd love that. Uh, yeah, Vicario, same thing. I'd, he's another guy I'd really like to. Uh, I'd really like to see Fiorentina take a swing at if uh, if they decide they want someone besides Terracciano to be the starter. Although at this point, I mean. It, it feels like Pietro is just going to be the number one until he retires. Every time Fiorentina tries to tries to upgrade on him, uh, that upgrade just doesn't work out now. So, I mean, at this point, maybe just assume that he's the starter and go grab a backup. Just going to throw this out there. Uh, Emiliano Viviano's contract is up at the end of the season. And can you imagine That'd a be better nice backup goalkeeper? And story. Yeah. I mean, also Viviano and Rosati having like sideburn growing competitions uh, is the content that I require. Thanks. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I think that that's reasonable. Uh, yeah. Nice homecoming. Yeah, it would be. I mean, the, the other left back I'm kind of vaguely interested in, uh, despite the fact that he's a little bit of a meme, is Sead Kolasinac. Uh, 
kind of fallen out at Marseille. He's still only 29, which blew my mind. Wow. I think of him as being like my age. Yeah. Uh, but I think that he does a lot of the same things Baragi does on, on the field. Like functionally, I think that he would do that role pretty well. And if you can get him on a free, probably wouldn't take a whole lot of wages. I know that he's got a little bit of a difficult personality, but yeah. also, as producer Mike reminds us, having someone who's a literal bodyguard for the rest of the squad and is willing to fight off someone with a knife using just his bare hands. Yeah. It's a guy I'm interested in having on my team. But yeah, man, I mean, the. I would not the publicly say no. Yeah, nope, 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 nope. Not, not if there's any chance that he could find me. Absolutely not. Uh, yeah. But no, talking about those increasing values, I mean, I think we've seen some younger players who are at Fiorentina uh, probably probably jump up like that. I mean, Terzic, I think, is one of them, for example. How much I do you think, think we worth, can get for him? Uh, I think, I mean, he's a fringe Serbian international. He almost made the World Cup, the World Cup, the, excuse me, the World Cup squad. Uh, he's young. I, I think that he's probably uh, uh, a lot of the people I talk to about the game in Serbia. Uh, hi, Urs Popovic. Uh, are uh, are pretty convinced he's going to have a long term future up and down the left flank there. So I think that that's a, that's the kind of player you can sell for five six mil. I think. Mm. And that, I, I think that, there's that other high. players. That seems high, and I liked him. I, I think that seems high, but maybe. I mean, Ricardo Sotil is, I mean, obviously injured right now. His value after those first two months has shot upwards. Uh, I think that Luka Jovic has probably recovered some of his value as well, even though but let's I'm back to still not sold on him. No, what, what, what valuation do you do you think Sotil has at this point? I think that's a I think that's a 20 million euro player. No. Absolutely. No. Absolutely. I, I will give you 15 as the ceiling. I, I mean, I guess we're gonna have to agree to disagree on this again. <sighs> I you've got a guy who is one of the best dribblers in Europe. Look at the look at the statistics. For the past several years, he has been one of the best dribblers in Europe. Gets a lot of fouls. Uh, he wins fouls at a rate that almost no one else does. Mm-hmm. And as we saw earlier this year, uh, he turned his, he, he's started to put together his end product. He's really started finding passes. He's not hesitating. He's putting his head down when he should. He's looking to move the ball when he should. I think that's a $20 million player for a guy who's 23. I mean, obviously a lot of this depends on the injury. Back injuries are bad i think we're both in an age where we understand that right like sometimes you just wake up in the morning and you realize you slept up yeah slept on the wrong pillow and you're going to know it for the next for the rest of the week but uh no if he can come back the way that he was uh before i think he's easily a 20 million euro player keep in mind that uh spurs tried to buy him like two or three years ago for i think 15 to 18 and I can't imagine that that would have decreased in the intervening time. Yeah, I, I think he still makes too many mistakes. I think that his his final product still is not very good. Shot on goal, not very good. And selection is not very good. Uh, so I, I put him at a 15 million uh, euro player at this point. I, I mean, I think to me, just looking at the growth that he's had uh, since becoming a regular starter this season, 
And if you extrapolate that, which is what a lot of this is, especially with younger players, to me, you look at that and you say, how good can he actually be? And I mean, we've talked about this. There were people. I'm curious. The uh, same question. Yeah. In, in the Fiorentina Academy who thought that he was a better prospect than Federico Chiesa. And I mean, obviously, that feels like a very silly thing to say now. <laughs> yes. But yes. If you, you know, in two years, if Sotil keeps growing like he's growing now, who knows? So, no, to me, that's a that feels 20 million feels reasonable. I and also, man, I, you know me. I love Ricardo Sotil. Uh, I, yes. can't, I can't go low on him. I can't you, go low you on can't, him. You can't. Uh, has a Kone increase? So we purchased him at 14. I would think that he's increased after the past few, past what, two months? Yeah, I would agree. He's he's a 20 million euro player. I, w- I would say he's probably right around 14 or 15, which given how bad he do looked. Do you rate uh, Sotil higher than um, you do I do. I do actually, yeah. Okay. I do. I think right now I do. Yeah. Okay. And and I wasn't a big Ikone fan, but uh, I actually rate him a little bit higher. How about how about Kawame at this point? Is is Kawame still in that ten to twelve range, or is he now in that seventeen to twenty range? I think he's definitely a little bit higher at this point. Yeah, he's. I mean, again, again, speaking of guys who I've been a long time fan of, yeah. Uh, I think that he's has to be. I mean, not just statistically because he has some true outlier numbers, especially for a winger. Uh, but if you just watch him, the defensive work rate, yep. uh, the aerial ability, the ability to just occasionally create something out of hold up play. nothing. His hold-up play yeah. has improved so much. I mean, I, I think the only way we can really settle that is uh, talk to Nicolo Misul and uh, see if he can go knock on the ceiling and, uh, and check in. But uh Otherwise, yeah, man. No, I think that Kwame's value has increased tremendously. Uh, Igor, same thing. I think that Lucas Martinez Cuarta, probably about the same, probably about where he was. But I mean, that that's enough guys, I think, who have increased in value. And again, yeah. like, this is all relative. Like, we don't, it's not like there's a set, like, like no one has a, a like, a, a, an Excel file that says how much each player is worth that is correct. This is all relative. This is all I mean, any one of these guys is worth whatever yeah. someone's willing to pay for them. And the context of that is fluid and dynamic. So who know, Who really knows? Uh, yeah, thank you, uh, Mike. Hi, producer Mike, uh, reminding us that this is where the financial jiggery-pokery comes into play. <laughs> thank you for that callback. Appreciate you, Producer Mike. Uh, so yeah, man, no, I, I don't think that... I mean, I think it's really easy. Sorry, getting back to the original question you had that kickstarted this whole conversation. I feel like it's easy to look at the the players who you don't buy and see them look really good and go, how did how did we miss that? How did that not happen? But I mean, there are also how many players that Fiorentina did not buy who have their trajectory has been the other way. And there have been how many, as we said, there have been a fair number of Fiorentinos bought recently who have gotten better, who have improved and who are as financial assets, at least probably uh, much weightier than they were last year or two years ago so i I guess for me eh, it's about it's about what it is but hey the real secret here and i think this is the note we end on is that uh transfer valuations don't matter and just ask uh andrea agnelli and the entire Uh, juventus board of directors former board of directors whoopsies whoopsies i forgot that little adjective 
And I think on that note, uh, you want to go ahead and fold this up so we can both just go double over laughing about that for Ugh, a while? I mean, hasn't this been coming for years? <laughs> wow. Like, uh, now, now is the moment it comes out. But does anything happen with this, as usual? Juve will just uh, change the board. They'll probably still take control behind the scenes. And who's laughing at this point again? That's the only thing Juve somehow, with all their money, with all their contacts... Nothing ever happens to them. They'll always be what they are. They'll do it again in some other way, shape, or form in another couple of years. Yeah, that's that's it. We'll see. We that's will it. see. I mean, since this is a, I mean, since they're a publicly traded company now, I think this could change a lot of things. We'll see. We'll see. You might be totally right. Maybe I'm just being uh, not nearly cynical <laughs> enough for Serie A. Yeah, publicly yeah, traded man. company that does oh, yeah, maybe, run uh, a lot of Serie A. That's that's the the problem here, is the close proximity that they have to all of the decisions that are made behind the scenes and on the pitch. That's something that needs to be explored. As somebody who lives in the United States, where this type of stuff would never happen, that's the type of stuff that needs to. Well, yeah, <clears throat> okay. Well, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, on that note. On that note, yeah, I think I think uh, legal was pounding on the uh, studio windows, telling us I to think wrap they're saying that go back to right the now. to the Qatar situation. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, no, we can definitely. Oh boy, howdy. Uh, but yeah, hey, and maybe maybe we'll get someone on for this next episode who can uh, tell us a little bit more about that Juve situation and maybe Easy. what it means for Fiorentina. But until then, until then, everyone, thanks for listening, and we'll uh, we'll catch you next time. Viola Station is hosted by Mike and Tito. Producer Mike produced this episode. Our theme song is Great Catch by Windchime Weather. Check them out at windchimeweather.bandcamp.com. Viola Station is the podcast from violanation.com. Viola Nation is part of the SB Nation Network. Forza Viola. Podcast Network.